Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. The Monday is upon us. I am out at the Husker Harvest Day show grounds. Of course, the show kicks off tomorrow. And Arlen is in the uh, just the state south of us in Kansas. As we look at uh, what's happening in the market trade, Arlen Suderman just does join us from FC Stone. Let's start out because I thought it was kind of interesting, Arlen. Um, we'll kind of rewind back in time to uh, this spring when we saw all those photos um, from the flyovers that were being shown of crop development or lack of planting at that point. Um, A new set of photos came out this weekend. They were made public today. As you look at them, what's the update and what are you seeing? Well, as I look at the photos, it continues to show what I expected over the eastern Midwest where they had so many problems. And so you can see the thin crops. You can see the flooded out areas of the field uh, and it just con- continues to raise a lot of concerns about the eastern Midwest. Iowa generally was good as I anticipated. Um, there were a few problem areas that showed up in Iowa, maybe even a few more than I anticipated, but overall I think Iowa was going to have a good crop. Southern Minnesota had a lot more problems. In fact, the, the western Midwest as a whole had a lot more problems than what I anticipated. Even in Nebraska, you know, I knew that there would be some problem areas in Nebraska, um, but the problem areas were more widespread than what I anticipated. South Dakota, a lot of problems. North Dakota had, and I expected problems in South Dakota. North Dakota had more problems than I expected as well. And I think it really comes down to what were those areas that had heavy rains to really pack the soil tight, to push the oxygen out of the soil, combined with cool temperatures. I think that combination, those areas that had those com- that combination, really struggled to get good stands of corn and soybeans, and I think it, it negatively impacted the ability of those crops to get any size to them or any uniformity to them. And now the question is, what impact does that have on yield? Um, it still might, you know, if you were to say what kind of weather do we need to really help these crops out, it would be a lot like the fall that we're getting. The question is, is that enough? And as a former agronomist, I still have a lot of concerns. I still think we're going to start seeing the combines come up short with much smaller yields. Uh, I use the word much. I think notably smaller yields anyway than what USDA is currently forecast, uh, but we really don't know. It comes down to how do the genetics handle this? What's the depth of kernel? How big are the beans in the pods going to be? How many beans per pods are there going to be? Uh, how much tip back on the corn ears? There's going to be some areas of good crops. I think there's going to be far more areas where we have some problems. How's it all going to balance out? But my bias is still that these crops are smaller than USDA is currently saying. So we have a WASD report that comes out on Thursday. Looking at the pictures that you've seen and what this report will bring on Thursday, do you think there's going to be some outside comparisons and questions of USDA numbers? Should they not equal up? Well, when you look at the the methodology of this report, this will be the first report from USDA based on actual objective field surveys. In other words, of USDA staff actually walking into the fields and taking samples. Uh, But crop maturity-wise, it's going to be across the country. I know it's going to vary depending on which state, what part of the state you're in, et cetera. But from a nationwide perspective, it's going to be equivalent to the, the August crop report in the past. 
and they quit doing the August uh, the objective field surveys for the August report um, because the crops weren't mature enough to really get a good handle on yield potential. So I think we're still going to run into that problem this year. It's possible that they will have picked up on some of these problems that the crops would be further far enough along for them to pick up on it. I'm going to have more confidence in their ability to pick up on these problems in October. Um, the markets are pricing in big crops. The markets are, are pre- leaning pretty heavily bearish. And unless we get a big short covering rally that unfolds this week ahead of Thursday's report, the market is vulnerable should we have a bullish surprise from USDA. My bias is that USDA is probably not going to give us that bullish surprise in this report. Um, but if they do, then, then the markets are pretty vulnerable to being found leaning in the wrong direction. It's something that uh, I think end users in particular need to be aware of that risk and that possibility. Um, and if I was you know, had a speculative short position in the market, that would really worry me and concern me because the markets are really pricing in that hey, all is well. These crops are going to be big crops, and and that's what that's the way they're looking at it. We do know that the president has made some hints, his staffs have made some hints as to where we're going to see with the uh, numbers coming out and with the RFS and all the, the different information in that regard and possibly a change because of the waivers. Have you heard anything or is the market just kind of holding back, waiting to see if and when that information comes available? Well, there are various rumors out there about what is involved in it. You don't know what to believe. Uh, supposedly people kind of... In- close to the talks and what's happening would suggest that uh, the increase for 2020 would be equivalent around 500 million gallons of ethanol. And if that's the case, you're looking at maybe 170 uh, million bushels of corn. That's, That's not really going far enough. That's not really doing the job of offsetting the problems created by the waivers and some of the other challenges. Um, that's not a big market mover unless this crop is significantly shorter. If USDA is right on the yield, that's not going to be much of a market mover. Um, so hopefully they will be coming out with something more aggressive than that. And another 500 million gallons, supposedly, of, of the higher alternative biofuels, which would certainly be expected to give somewhat of a lift to biodiesel, uh, depending on how they implement it. All right, well, stick around, folks. We do have more coming up here on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Uh, The African swine fever, it spreads to a new location. We'll get more details on that coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Arlen Suderman joins us here for part two. And no surprise, uh, we're going to talk African swine fever and Arlen transferred over to the philippines and it's surrounded by water so that's got to put up some red flag concerns yeah it's very sobering to the industry um the philippines by the way are the ninth asian country now to have out active outbreaks of the disease but the philippines always kind of figured that they would be protected by that natural barrier of the ocean around them and yet they um have so far uh, cold the basin reports i've seen today uh, almost 7,500 hogs. Um, so uh, uh, 20 blood samples collected. I think 14 were positive coming from uh, the Philippines. So that's a significant problem, a significant concern. And they're still trying to figure out how did it get there. But 
It also indicates if it can go to the Philippines, it can go to North America or South America as well. Um, we've talked previously about how it's in Eastern Europe um, as well as Russia and, of course, much of East Asia. Uh, Eastern Europe is very concerning. Um, if it gets over to North or South America, um, then it's really panic city. This disease has already claimed, we believe, over a quarter of the world's hogs. That is a huge number and uh, we've only begun to feel the implications of that. But it sounds like China has taken this um, one step further when it comes to how they're going to control with biosecurity. Well, it sounds like they finally are starting to grasp the importance of it and now starting to use terms like this as a matter of national security um, and their food supply, and, and that helps make it more of a priority at the government level, at the federal level. Um, but some, you know, when you have hog prices that are double prices of a year ago, that's a tremendous incentive to produce hogs if you're able to do so and stay away from the disease. And so we, we have heard of some large commercial operations who were hit by the disease, who cleansed their farms, restocked, and lost their hogs again. But some large commercial operations that have avoided the disease to this point, it's never been on their farm, they have been able to adopt some biosecurity measures that are rather expensive um, and continue to produce, and they're still making huge margins producing hogs at these price levels, and they're raising hogs to higher weights to take advantage of these higher prices, uh, and that's requiring more soy meal inclusion and ration to do that. Um, but things like making their employees live on the farm for two to three month stretches uh, so that they're not going back and forth increasing their risk of carrying it on their clothes this disease can live on the clothing for six weeks so doing things like that at, at some expense some of these larger commercial farms have been successful at, at uh, expanding their hog production and that has helped stabilize the national production in China somewhat and why we still believe it's right around 45% where it has been for the last uh, a couple of months because with more small farms getting it and going out of business and in large commercial farms learning how to use biosecurity to keep the disease off, we think that production level has started to stabilize a little bit right around that 45% reduction of production level. Now, it's still a huge amount of pork. We still think it'll take a number of years before they can get that production built back up. China's government is subsidizing farms, purchasing the equipment that they need to ramp up production. But we just think it's going to take time to do that because of the presence of the disease in China. Looking at the cattle market, we had some struggles at the end of last week. Can we get over that hurdle to maybe see some positive trade this week? Well, it was really disappointing to see where cash trade took place last week, and mostly a hundred dollars a hundred weight on a on a live basis and uh, the board really plummeted and I think it limit down on Friday and we saw follow through selling today the momentum's to the downside. The market is technically oversold. nobody wants to stand in the way of it. you know we're in a place where oftentimes you would get somewhat of a technical bounce. Bottom line is we've got to stabilize these cash prices. And the more the board goes down, the more those who are hedged get strong basis opportunities from selling at lower cash prices. Uh, and uh, and that just keeps putting pressure on. The 
weight data doesn't really seem to indicate that we're losing our currentness with the herd. But when you talk to feeders out there in the country, they say the industry kind of feels like it's less current than it was, which doesn't help matters if that's the case. Looking at the, the cash cattle um, throughout the rest of this week, development going to hold out till till week's end? Yeah, when... You know, we'll watch the board. If we have another sharp down day tomorrow, I think it's going to be pretty tempting for producers who have been hedging to really take advantage and go ahead and accept the lower prices again. Um, but if we can get a bounce back, um, maybe we can hold out and, and start to stabilize things. But that's really going to be a key. All right. Sounds good, Arlen. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? INTLSCstone.com. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell being read by Fontenelle and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.